Today on High Point with Ron Zappia. And although you may not feel it, you may not experience God, God's at work, man. He, he's doing a work and you may not understand the significance, you may not see what's happening, but he is doing a good work. Hey, when's he gonna get done? Well, the verse answers it. He will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Welcome to High Point with Ron Zappia. We're coming to you from High Point Church in the western suburbs of Chicago. And we're in the beginning of a new series called Unexplainable Joy. And today, Ron, we're talking about this topic of the reason for joy, aren't we? Yeah, you know, Steve, we all go through hard times. But Paul, in this letter to the Philippians, he shares the fact that we can still have joy. Joy is not only found in the absence of hardship, and Paul explains the reasons why we can have joy no matter what we're going through. Well, this is a message I know is going to be encouraging to all of us. We're opening up to Philippians chapter 1. Prepare your heart and listen in. Here's Ron. Five reasons why I can be happy. I can experience joy despite the circumstances that I'm in. The first reason is found in verse 2. We're going to look at the introduction. It's the grace of God. Look with me at verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Look at verse 2. It says, grace to you. Underline that phrase. We'll come back to it. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and underline Lord Jesus Christ. Paul could have done this. He could have said, hey, greetings to you. He didn't say that. Many times in his letters, he says, grace to you. Why grace? Well, because that's his bent, because that's what he's about. What is this grace? It's the unmerited, unearned favor of God. It's like that gift that you get for your birthday or under the Christmas tree. But the grace of God has given us the gift, the unmerited favor of him. How do we get this gift? Well, I asked you to underline three words, Lord Jesus Christ. That's the how, end of verse two. We get it from the Lord Jesus. Question, as we slow down and think about the grace of God, the unmerited favor, let me just ask you this. Where would you be without it? Well, for some of us, we'd be trying to get our act together, trying to make ourselves better, trying to positive think, PMA, and get things right on our own. Well, grace is what gets us our act together. Look with me at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared in Jesus, bringing salvation. We know that for all people it's available. But look what it says next. Training us. What trains us? Grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What does it? Grace. It's truly amazing, is it not? This thing called grace. And so this is the first reason why why I can have a good attitude despite the circumstances around me, the grace of God. Second reason is this, our partnership in the gospel. Paul does this, he says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. Look at verse four, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. He's praying because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's thanking them, the partners. And I want to show you this. I want to show you the reason why I hinted at it, but why Paul wrote this letter. Look at Philippians chapter 4 for a moment. I'm going to focus in on verse 14. And we see the reason. He's very specific. 
As we study this letter this fall, look what he says. Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles, he's telling the Philippians. So he's thanking them. And he says, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginnings of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Wow. So he was thanking them. Why? Because they had given and financially supported him. They not only gave their time and their talents to the building of the church, but they gave their treasure. Let's do this for a moment. I'd like to model what the Apostle Paul does and thank those who have given so much for this local church. Can we give it up to the partners of the gospel for making this work be what it is today? So thankful. Thankful for those who have partnered with us in their time, their talents, and their treasure. What should we do with these partners? Well, let me do this. Let's go back to chapter one, and I want to take a look at some of these verses, and I want to give you the main application that Paul's saying, because he's praying for the partner. And so I want us to pray for one another, to pray for the partners in the gospel. And so how can we pray for the partners in the gospel? Well, this is what I love about the Bible. Let's just pray what Paul prayed. I've got a list here, how to pray for partners in the gospel. The first thing is this, let's pray fervently. He says, I thank God in all of my remembrance of you. And then look at verse four. He says, always in every prayer of mine. He's constantly praying for the partners. I'm praying for all of you, you all, making my prayer with joy. So we see Paul praying now individually. And so how did he pray lastly? He prayed, pray insightfully. He said, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Look at how much he cares for them. He says, for you all are partakers with me of grace. There it is again. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. There it is. So he's praying insightfully for them, for their love to abound with knowledge and with discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So what is he praying? Well, he's praying specifically for them that their love would abound and that would bring great maturity. May we do the same. May we pray for each other, pray for the partners in the gospel the same way that Paul prayed. Third reason why I can do this, why I can have uh, a smile on my face despite the fact that things aren't going that great. The hope of Jesus Christ. I mean, that says it all. It's the hope that we have in Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. That's what he's referencing. Now, hope in the Bible, let me say it like this. It's much different in the Bible than it is in our English language. So when we say hope in English, it's kind of like we say, well, I hope the weather is going to be nice tomorrow. You live in Chicago. It's an uncertainty. But in the Bible, when we talk about hope, and it's so much different, it's absolute certainty. It's what God said will come to pass. It's, hey, man, bet the farm on it. This is absolute. This is, there's not too many sure things in this life. But when we see hope referenced in the Bible or something that is hoped for, it's a sure thing. Look what we can hope, be hopeful about. Look at verse 6. He says, I am sure of this. Hey, Paul, wow, he's got my attention. What are you sure of? Well, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Wow. So what is he saying is this. Hey, what got started in you, what God started, he will be faithful to finish. Hey, wives, he's 
not like, it's not like that project that your husband got started around the house, whether he was going to remodel or do that painting or whatever that never got done. No, God's going to finish it. It's not like the construction, the traffic on 290 when you're going into the city and it's just like, man, are they ever going to get this finished? Answer, no, I've lived here for 20 years. They're never finishing. But with God, it's so different. And with him, the project is getting started and there's great work that is being finished. Hey, can you be more specific? Yeah, I said we're going to take it apart. Let's just slow down for a moment and trust in God's word and believe it to be true because some of us, we want to get to the next place and God began a good work in you. Look with me at verse six. He says, he, who's it referring to? God, Jesus. What do you mean? Well, God is at work even when you don't see it. And sometimes the truth is that we don't see it, we don't feel it, we don't experience it, and he's at work in your family using difficult circumstances for his glory. And he's at work even when we don't see. That's the majority of the scriptures, man. People didn't see it, and then all of a sudden, God showed up. What's he doing? Well, let me belabor the point. Verse 6, he's doing a good work. What's the good work? Well, the good work is your salvation. The good work is salvation. Salvation includes justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification is what? Is that I can stand before God and that he has forgiven me of my sin just as if I have not sinned. Sanctification is the process that God is making you more like his son. Glorification is what will happen. Every tear will be wiped away and we will be like Jesus in the end. That what? That we will have glorified bodies. Well, who's he doing that to? Well, it says he who began a good work in you. Point to your neighbor and say, God's not done with you yet. He's not. And although you may not feel it and you may not experience God, God's at work, man. He's doing a work and you may not understand the significance. You may not see what's happening, but he is doing a good work. Hey, when's he going to get done? Well, the verse answers it. He will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's a reminder that our sanctification is progressive, that there's no microwave Christians, that God is at work. Yes, he's doing some things. He's changing some things in you. It's more like a slow cooker. He's got a slow cooker process, and you may want some other things to change. You may want the speed to be different, but God is at work. The Apostle Paul tells us, I'm sure of this, that he started, he's completing, he's not leaving it unfinished. You're listening to High Point with Ron Zappia and a message called The Reason for Joy. You can ask for the message when you call 844-HP-RADIO. We'll continue with more teaching in just a moment. Joy. Everyone wants it, but not everyone knows how to get it. It's often thought to be the same as happiness, an unstable emotion that comes and goes based on the circumstances of life. But joy from God defies the odds and goes against the grain of how society defines it. Here at High Point Ministries with Ron Zappia, we want you to experience the supernatural delight that joy brings in the person of God, the purposes of God, and the people of God. That's why throughout the month of March, for a donation of any amount to High Point Ministries with Ron Zappia, we'll send you Unexplainable Joy, a journey through Philippians. Walk through the Unexplainable Joy teaching series with Pastor Ron and use this study to apply each message to your life so you can elevate your faith and experience true, unexplainable joy in your life. Give us a call at 844-HP-RADIO to receive your copy of this original High Point Ministries resource for a donation of any amount or request this resource online at highpointministries.com. 
This is High Point with Ron Zappian. We're airing messages from our series called Unexplainable Joy. For additional resources, including audio and video messages, head to highpointministries.com. Now here's Ron with the conclusion of today's message. And sometimes many of us, we think this, we think, hey man, I'm taking a step back. I wish I was taking a step forward in this season and what's happening in this life. And oftentimes, I think it would behoove us to remember that God is at work, and sometimes it takes other brothers and sisters in Christ to point those things out. It's no different than um, your physical growth. And I think with my own kids, we grow them tall in the Zappia household. I've got three girls, and they're just you know, pushing that six foot. And I remember when they were little kids, and we used to measure them. And, and they didn't necessarily feel like they were growing. They didn't see that they were growing physically. But then one day you're like, whoa, it looks like you really grew. I remember when one of our girls grew three inches in one summer. And you put the kid right on the wall and you mark it. And they didn't ex- feel the growth. They didn't experience it. But you're like, whoa, I can't believe how much you've grown. Said all that to say this, that just like our physical growth, that as a kid we don't feel it. It's the same as true with our spiritual growth. And sometimes you're not the best person to see that God has brought you to a new place. Oh, I know you're not at the place that you want to be. You want to climb a new mountain. But let's rejoice in the place that what? That God has you, that he is at work, and encourage one another. Tweet of the day, let's put it up on the screen. I may not be where I want to be or where I need to be or where I ought to be. I'm just thankful I'm not where I used to be. Can I get an amen? I mean, I'm moving in this place, and we need to encourage you. Man, I see this in you, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the partnership of the gospel, and the hope of Jesus Christ has gotten me to a new place. Two more reasons. Reasons why I can have a smile on my face despite the difficulties, despite the challenges that this life brings. Well, fourth reason is this, the love of the brotherhood. And we've already said it. We've read the verse, but let me kind of hit it a little harder. Notice what it says in verse 9, because he's saying, my prayer is that your love may abound. Now, we've already covered, but um, let me say it again. He's not praying that they would show more love necessarily, although that's a good thing. He's not saying that they would grow in love. No, he's saying that they would abound in love, that they would go from full to overflowing, that it would be an ever-increasing and ongoing way that this love, that Jesus reminded his followers, he said, how is this lost world going to know that you're mine? Because of your love. Not because of how well you know the Bible, not because you went to church every day, not because you serve so much. It's how you love. That's the number one characteristic of a follower of Christ. Are you abounding in love? There's several verses in the scriptures. Um, there's actually a hundred of them in 94 verses. And it's often referred to as the one another command. And so these are the commands that can help us to love. How do we do this? How do we get our love to expound as followers of Christ? Well, I think it's all wrapped up in the one another's, the love of the brotherhood. So let me do this, give you a little Bible study. Let me give you the top 10 one another verses on loving each other. This phrase is used throughout the scriptures Paul writes 60% of these. First one is this, is that we would accept one another. Romans chapter 15, verse 7, that we would be accepting one another, not expecting us to be in a different place, but to accept each other as we are, trusting and knowing that God is going to take us to a new place. Second thing is this, is that we would encourage one another. 
that we would be an encouragement, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, that we would encourage each other, the sisterhood, the brotherhood of Christ. Third thing is we talk about the one another verses, that we would serve one another. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, that we would serve each other. Fourth thing is this. You say, hey, I'm having trouble accepting, encouraging, and, ex- and serving a brother. Well, maybe it's because you need to forgive. And so the scripture says that love covers a multitude of sin. And maybe the truth is it's not been verbalized, but we need to forgive one another. Why? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, because God in Christ forgave you. He expects us to forgive. Next thing is this, fifth one another that I pulled from the list is that you would bear with one another. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says that what? That no matter what's happening, the difficulties that we would bear one another's burden. Next thing on the list is this, verse 6, helpful list today. Speak highly of one another. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15. I love this because what it says is, it warns us, it says this as Christians. This is what we have the tendency to do. It says, don't bite each other. Don't devour each other. It gives the picture that we as followers of Christ, there's friendly fire in the church, and he says, don't bite, don't devour, watch out for each other, and that we would speak highly of one another. And when somebody's not speaking highly of someone else, that we would believe the best. We would take an exit ramp out of the conversation and point the person back to them. Next thing is this, that we would care for one another. In Romans chapter 14, verse 13, the whole chapter there deals with caring for one another in that we would restrain from some of our freedoms as followers of Christ. And what it's talking about here in this set of verses is this care is that we would do this, that we would care for our brother and sister and not put a stumbling block in their way. So sometimes we have to Although we are permitted and free to do some things, we won't do it. Why? Because it's a stumbling block for a younger brother or sister. Eighth thing is this, loving one another, that we would honor one another, it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. I love this picture that it paints uh, as a competitive person. It says this, outdo one another with honor. Think about that, what it's saying. That we would outdo each other in showing honor how we speak and how we act. And the ninth one is this, is that we would submit to one another. And the scripture makes it clear that yes, we're to submit to God, but also to one another, Ephesians chapter four, verse 25. And lastly, it talks about in James chapter five, verse 16, is that we're to confess our sins and pray for one another. That we would be in closeness of proximity with relationship to pray for each other. Let's abound more in love. Lastly, we want to talk about putting a smile on our face. We want to talk about this unexplainable joy. Even in the midst of my difficulty, I can be joyful because of the righteousness of Christ. That's what verse 11 says. It says that we're filled with the fruit. It gives a wonderful picture of the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Question for those theologically minded, is it the imputed righteousness? The imputed righteousness to us that can give us standing before a holy God? Or is it the continued righteousness that we have as we live our lives as Christ-like lifestyle, that we make choices that are righteous? Answer, I think it's both. 
It's both that what? That righteousness is imputed to us that we don't deserve, that God has put that in on credit to you, and that we would continue to make Christ-honoring lifestyle decisions. It would be remiss of me on a day like today to talk about joy and not identify the truth that our country is in a difficult place. Would you agree? I mean, we're going through a difficult period lately. I mean, the argument could be said that, man, it's always got our challenges. It just feels like this season is a bit different. And so racial tensions are at a boiling over point. We've seen that over the last month to the last year. Would you agree with me that our moral compass for the United States is broken, man? I mean, it's just broken in the decision-making that's happening. And Christians, we, we kind of have this. It, it's almost like we have a target on our back as we want to live for him, that this world is against us, it's not for us. I stand here to say it's not getting better before it gets worse. That's what the scripture says. So how can I stand up here preaching about this joy and what, how do I experience more of it? What are we to do? Well, again, you can't necessarily change the nation that you're living in. You can't necessarily change the relationships that you're in, but you can change yourself. And I'm telling you, that change could result in exponential differences in the relationships and the impact and the circles that you're in. So it's kind of like this. We're kind of like a glass. And just hang with me in the illustration here for a moment that each of us are born into this world as different kinds of glasses. And so we come into the world un, uh, empty and a bit unhappy. And so what needs to happen is this, that God is like this pitcher, and he's filled. And his desire is to fill up his kids. And he fills us with what? Well, let's put the summary uh, verses on the screen here of what we've covered today in the first 11 verses. He fills us with the grace of God. Can I get an Amen. I mean, and then he's just like this, with the partnerships that we have in the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ and the love of the brotherhood and the righteousness of Christ, and he fills us to the point of overflowing. And what happens is this, is this world, it's got its bumps and its bruises, and it knocks us around, and we spill all over people. And this world is a constant place that we empty ourselves. But the God of the universe that wants to help us, he wants to keep filling us up as we do what? As we pursue him and as we place our faith and our trust in him. And so when your world is rocked and what comes out of you needs to be filled back up. And so what's the answer? What's the secret? Well, I think it's his grace. I think it's his love. I think that the God of the universe wants to continue to make us full, that we would be overflowing, that we would abound in love and good works, that we would do this for God has started something in you. He began a good work that he will be faithful to complete it. Let's make sure that God fills us with this unexplainable, this unbelievable, this joy. Reason for Joy. That's the title of today's message here on High Point with Ron Zappia. And if you missed any part of this study, you'll find it online when you go to highpointministries.com. 
Well, Ron, that really encourages me, and I'm sure our listeners today are encouraged to are starting to really rethink their understanding of joy. Yeah, you know, a lot of the times we think that we'll be joyful when everything is going good. I mean, when our family's doing great, when the career's on track, you know, when things are all in place in order, so to speak. But what Paul says here is that we can have joy even when we're in the toughest trials. In the middle of the crisis, when the dark cloud is over our head, we can still do this. We can still be joyful. Why? Well, because when we have Jesus, our joy doesn't come from our circumstances, but from our relationship with him. God has given us grace. He's given us hope. He's given us the gospel and brothers and sisters to walk with us through these hard times so that we can experience this kind of joy. And when we start doing this, when we start looking at what God has given to us, joy becomes a natural response to his work in our hearts. Well, thanks for that, Ron. That's an encouraging postscript to a message called The Reason for Joy here on High Point with Ron Zappia. And if this study has been encouraging to you and you want to dig even deeper into the book of Philippians, we have a resource that's great for you. It's a study guide created by our team here at High Point Ministries to help you get everything out of our Unexplainable Joy series. The study guide called The Journey Through Philippians includes a USB drive with all of Pastor Ron's messages in this series, and each lesson in the booklet provides space for answering questions, noting your reflections as you learn and apply God's word to your life. And so whether you're using this on your own or with a group or even around the dinner table with your family, we're confident that this study is going to be a blessing to you. And when you give a generous gift to High Point Ministries this month, we're going to send you this in-depth study guide plus all the unexplainable joy messages on a USB drive. So send in your donation today when you call 844-HP-RADIO or just head online to highpointministries.com. And if you prefer to send a check, address it to High Point Ministries, P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. That's P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. I'm Steve Smith, inviting you to join us tomorrow for another message about our reaction to joy right here on High Point with Ron Zappia. Zappia.